Co-founded by sisters Ego and Natasha Iregbu, The Good Mineral is a range of makeup and skincare with the ethos that beauty should be easy and authentic. Today I sit down with Ego to learn just how their brand came to be. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Main has been an incredible journey so far and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce you our guest for today, Ego Iwegbu. The Good Mineral is a makeup brand co-founded by sisters Ego and Natasha Iwegbu upon the key belief that beauty should be easy. Although they launched their brand in 2021, it was really over 15 years in the making with a grassroots process to carefully develop their formulations. As a mathematics graduate of King's College London, Ego always dreamt of starting her own business, launching beauty bars and Selfridges and Topshop on Oxford Street, and she went on to own nine salons across the UK and South Africa, and also wrote two books on the business before introducing her sister's original formulations to thousands of women through her salons. With a hugely positive response, Ego and Natasha set out to raise venture capital funding before launching only just a year later. And trust me when I say it's not easy to launch a business in the middle of a pandemic, so I cannot wait to discuss the various challenges and rewarding moments I'm sure we both face mutually through this journey. So Ego, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi Akash, thank you so much for that great introduction. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> so I mean, we have so much in common, I can't wait to talk about it. Not only did we go to London universities, we both are working with our sibling, our sisters, and we launched our brand in the pandemic. So this is going to be a really good one. But I have to ask you the question I ask every single guest, which is, who in a nutshell is Ego? Oh, wow. What a question. Um, yeah. In a nutshell, I would say Ego is a, um, I was actually caught, I was actually described as the heroine of my story the other day uh, by someone who had uh, read my bio recently. And um, and I think that uh, that was actually quite an accurate description. I am, you know, my biggest uh, fan. I'm my biggest critic. I believe so deeply in freedom that, um, you know, I went against all odds to start my first business and all of that. I come from a very academic family and um, starting a business was just, was just not the, the thing to do. And But I, you know, I would overcome all obstacles to continue to live the life that I choose because I believe that freedom is so important. And to me, freedom means doing what you love. You know, it's not, it's not, not just talking about sort of financial freedom or, you know, uh, physical freedom. I'm talking about the idea that when you wake up every morning, you feel a lightness in you, a freedom in you, because you are living the life that you choose to live. So that's me. I am sort of the heroine of my own story, very passionate about female independence and freedom. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-N. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. The heroine of your own story. What a great way to like start. I mean, that's such a statement. I think uh, already people are going to get a lot of note taking, I think, in this podcast. So um, I do, I do want to ask, you know, mentioned about the story and I know your story has been quite, um, I, I guess you could say, um, uh, what's the right word? Like you've been in all different places and had all different kind of culture, cultural experiences from Russia to London to South Africa. So I would love to kind of, if you could explain to us the journey of being, you, you were born in, first you were born in Russia, am I correct? Yes. So my parents are, my mom is Russian. My dad is Nigerian. Uh, my dad um, got a scholarship to study in the USSR and oh. met my mother there and they uh, got married there and I was born there and then uh, and then we moved to the UK because he's a uh, professor of orthopedic surgery she's a uh, doctor in climatology and so it was all a very sort of studious um, um, household that I grew up in in mo- majority of my life in London um, and then at some point we moved to Nigeria for a bit so I had this sort of uh, teenage life in Nigeria and then back to the UK when I uh, did my A-levels in Birmingham and then finally got into King's College in London and uh, to, to study mathematics, which was already quite, you know, a revelation for my family because, you know, who does a single subject degree? I go, aren't you supposed to be an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer, et cetera? So, um, so I was already defying the odds um, uh, back in my uh, teenage years. And uh, anyway, I absolutely loved my uh, time in London as a student. Um, I thoroughly partied myself through the whole of the Strand and central London. And then when I finally graduated, um, I remember thinking at the time, oh, my God, I've got to go and get a job now. I've actually got to work. And at that point, I thought, but I really want to open my own business. I honestly, I'd wanted to have my business If I could have started my own business, I would have started it at the age of 16. But 
that that was a that was not an option in our household. So, um, so yeah, I, I got my first job, um, which was, you know, because of fear, I guess, which is which is exactly the opposite I'm talking about when it comes to freedom. So there was yeah. this fear that if you don't get a job now, you'll never work, and you know, and all that type of stuff. And so, I kind of allowed myself to get pulled into that world for a bit. Um, but within within a couple of months of starting my first job, I, um, I I just knew I had to get out and I was going to open my business. And that was the time that I started to discover nails, nails not nail salons per se, but nails in London, mm. which was not common. There were there were no nail bars anywhere in central London or anywhere um, cool, really. Um, you had to go really kind of out to the outskirts of London to get your nails done. And that's, that was when my first, I, that was when the first business idea hit me. I realized that as a social person and I love to, to hang out and to socialize, I wanted to get my nails done in my favorite store, which was Selfridges. I, I just wanted to get my nails done in Selfridges. I didn't understand why I couldn't have this open, there could be an open bar and Selfridges used to have a a section called Spirit, which was just behind the beauty hall. And they had DJs in there. And I thought there, this is exactly where we need the nail bar. And uh, so that was the spark for my first idea. That's amazing. I mean, I I do have to ask because a lot of people hear a lot of the time, like, um, there's that sense of fear or a sense of um, whether it's even uh, risk, I guess you could say, involved with starting a business. And even though they know they want to do it, they go down a corporate route or a job that they're not really enjoying. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple of months, like as yourself, or sometimes it takes a couple of years until you really make that decision to say, no, I can't. I need to now just do it. Uh, and just do it being a very key word. Do you say, you know, going back in time, like, would you? Go, would you have gone straight into creating a business or are you grateful for taking that time to even be reassured that actually this isn't the path for me working in a company? You know what, Akash, if I could do it all over again, what I would have done is I would have take, gotten my first job in the beauty industry. Mm. I ended up going in as a graduate recruit with Ford Motor Ford, Company yeah. because it was just, you know what I mean? It was just yeah. there. And you and I allowed that fear to take over and grabbed the first job that I got. I, I wasn't thinking through um, mm. what do I want to do? What career do I want to go down? Because ultimately, I, I just thought I got to start my own business. So if I could do it all over again, I would, I, you know, I strongly recommend mentorship. I strongly recommend going down a path a couple of years, two, three years, you know, working within the business that you're actually trying to develop, almost like you did. Exactly. At, uh, at Cash in the, 100%. Yes. That's why I'm so impressed with your um, story, because you really sort of went uh, through you know, the big brands and, and doing the work that you now do with your own brand, um, having had a great training ground. So, um, so I went into my first business raw. I knew Mm. nothing. I had never managed people. Um, I, and I, you know, we're talking about a nail salon here that requires staff management and customer service, right? So never managed staff. I'd never, um, uh, you know, uh, paid a VAT bill, you know, because it's yeah. little things like 
that. You don't, and you don't even realize sometimes what it is that's <laughs> going to be involved. Understanding how payroll works. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so I went in raw, and basically, and and lo and behold, my first salon ever was on in Topshop on Oxford Circus in the wow. booming, busiest store on Oxford Street. I remember one of the uh, floor managers asked me when we were looking at the space. She said to me, so, Ego, where are your other salons? You know, because surely you must have other salons. I mean, starting there is not, is, is yeah. not the normal route for many people, exactly. <laughs> which is incredible. And I thought, yeah. I don't have any other salons. This is going to be the first one. And I thought that it would be, I didn't think it was going to be a piece of cake. I yeah. just thought that I work really hard and I'm, and I'm really passionate about this. And so it's going to be fine. Yeah. But then, of course, you start and, you know, reality slaps you in the face. And, um, you know, I ran out of money and then you and then you find out that you've got, you need certain licenses in Westminster City Council. I didn't have the licenses. I, you know, I was literally falling over my own feet yeah. for months um, when we'd started. But it was a fantastic concept. The nail bar was booming. We were crazy busy. Yeah. And so the money was happening. And so clearly it was a really good business. Yeah. Um, before I could even, you know, settle down with the Topshop Oxford Circus one, Selfridges come up and say, we've found space for you now, Ego, so come in. And then down the road, down the road on Oxford Street, I'm opening the second nail bar. And, and this is literally how it snowballed into six of them uh, in Manchester, Birmingham and London. Um, exciting, very, very exciting, major learning curve. Major. Yeah. I couldn't have learnt my business lessons in an in a harder way. It's so important to like. I think when you have those, either you you wouldn't necessarily have, I guess, planned these issues, and you knew they would come as any business owner. You know, there's going to be issues on the way, but the exact specifics, you know, we don't know until we start. But it's really about sometimes embracing them to be like, look, we are learning always, every single day. It's okay to be making mistakes and maybe even healthier to make them because only then can you grow and learn. Um, but it is really important to, if you can, be smart in like certainly like, you know, having some experience or some mentorship or some, and I think that's something that sometimes as founders, we just go straight into it and I do it all the time and I'm like oh maybe I should have asked someone what was like you know I signed a new contract I'm like I should have <laughs> just asked you? someone what, what, what was the, their rate because maybe I could get a better discount um, sometimes you go 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 <laughs> yeah. right um, and right. it can be a little bit um, but then that's when you learn and the more you do it you learn and, and you know going back to your point when you mentioned about my you know it's very good I, I went into the industry for a bit but to be fair similar to you know engineering mathematics we studied this very like mm very difficult degrees for a couple of years that honestly, like when you see most of your colleagues, they end up just going down a finance or a very specific route. For me, I failed a year at university in Imperial and I had to take a year out. And that was my wake up call. That was the moment I was like, hang on, being an A star student my whole life and never getting less than 90%, now failing a year, all my friends going a year ahead and I'm here straddling behind. It made me really look deeper and say, okay, the minute you go back, you're going to finish this degree because I put my mind to it, I'm going to do it. But when I finish it, I'm going straight into what I want to build my future on. And I knew it was kind of beauty. And I said, I could, for argument's sake or for CV's sake or for my friend's sake, go into Goldman Sachs or go into these uh, investment banks and stuff like that. I said, no, 
I'm going to work as an unpaid intern in Estee Lauder because I know I want to end up in the beauty industry. And that was actually the best decision. But it took the failing to make me realize that. Because if I didn't fail, I tell you right now, I'd probably be a banker right. and be not very happy. Right. That's so interesting. And you've just highlighted the fact that we've got another thing in common. Yeah. I also uh, failed a year at uni and took a year yeah. out. <laughs> what is this? This is so crazy. Wow. Was it, let me tell wait, let me guess. Was it your second year? No. It was. This is my, it was my second year. What is happening? Oh my gosh. I just lost it. I lost it in the in that you year too. because I, I anyway. It, and, and that, that's that anyway, is actually I will say that was what that, I know, but that is one of the worst years to fail. Um because it's it's scary because if you do realise this is not the degree for you, you can't necessarily like I guess, digest the fact that you would have to redo the first year again and like lose two, three years because you are literally having to reapply. But it's not as quick as like, um, yeah, but it's still like you're nearly there. So you just give it another go, right? And take, but there's still a risk that you'll fail the next year if you don't. So it is a tough one. So it's a very inward looking moment. Well, no, I mean, you know that you... You know that you didn't fail because you didn't understand your No, it's, I just I just didn't put the work uh, yeah. in, to be honest. That's the it, reality. Totally. I, I hardly showed up to lectures. I yeah. had my friends constantly, you know, Ego, this is the paperwork. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm off to the club tonight. <laughs> I did the exact same. So I think we're speaking the same language. But again, that's for another podcast. Today, we're talking about that yeah. another day. <laughs> but it is, um, it is amazing how you did launch like in these most incredible um locations i mean when you talk about that i don't know people who've been to london but that top shop iconic location selfridges of course um did you like i do want to ask did you like how did you get those opportunities was it you just grinding and emailing different people did you have it come across your lap that's a that's a great question and it's the question literally everybody asks me how Mm -hmm. do i get into these stores because uh, I mean, even our brand here is in, you know, one of the biggest stores here. So, um, you know what? I think number one is believing that either your product or your service is the best thing since sliced bread and that it's in the buyer's interest to have you. Like, you're like if you've got any doubt as to whether your product is ready for that particular store because so I have empathy and I always kind of think about what is it that the buyers need or what are they looking for because you know they're they're running their business so if I'm going to approach them with a product or a service I realize that they are interested in whether they're going to make any revenue on it or you know whether it's going to be a delight for their customers in particular you know are my customers going to love this and as far as I was concerned, an open plan nail bar in the middle of Topshop where the DJ was playing and you were picking your dress for tonight's outing was the place to have an open plan nail bar. Like that's where I wanted to go and get my nails done. Yeah. And, uh, and same for Selfridges. So, you know, I was pitching, I, I, you know, I would call, I'd just call the switchboard and say, I'd like to speak to the beauty buyer. Oh, um, you know, and then, you know, oh, who's calling? Just and they would put you through and then you'd get their voicemail and you'd leave a message and then you would try and figure out what their name is. And then you would just send an email and then you'd call again and it went on and on and on. And every time I contacted, I finally got through to the main uh, person at Topshop. She said categorically, no, we don't have space for that. That was the line. We do not have space for that. Wow. And uh, I remember coming off the phone and thinking to myself, you don't have space for that. Like, do you realize what you're saying no to? 
So, um, so what I'm saying is that it, I had a never give up type love attitude towards my approach to these stores. I thought you've got to see this, you've got to try this, because this is, and this is my attitude today. You've got to see this, you've got to try this, because I will never promote or sell or do anything that isn't like 100% amazing that I wouldn't use myself, you know. I'm not a serial entrepreneur to the point that I will sell whatever just to make a buck. On the contrary, I can't sell anything. All I can do is show you how I live or, or talk about how well, the things that I love. And then when I do that with my, in the most authentic way, that's how things get sold or built or created. And the key word is authentic. <laughs> I, I, I really do believe if you truly yeah. believe, and there are people who would say, um, you know, I'm going to show confidence, but how, do they really believe in the product? Do they really believe in their vision? Sometimes it can be questioned, but if you really do, there is no excuse for you not to put yourself out there. I you know we, we believe in our fable and main concept. We DM'd, cold DM'd uh, on LinkedIn, one of the junior hair merchants being like, Hey, we've got this brand. You guys need to like, need to have a look at it. It could be amazing for you guys, you know? And we honestly, we're trying to put ourselves in the positions of the recipient and be like, I think they'll be happy to receive this proposal or concept so even you believe in it there is really so many more doors that could open up for you that you just perhaps didn't even realize um, I think that's a very important lesson that you've demonstrated you know what I think you know what I think Akash as you're saying what you're saying I think that there's an energy mm. you know I, I, I believe that there's you know I don't believe in just our physical existence I believe that there's a lot of energy that goes on around us and I think yeah. that a product has its own energy and it's, and the energy comes from the founders the cause the reason and if a service and a product let's give it let's 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 suggest that it's an entity in its own right it will exist and and you know if you're giving out love and enjoyment and authenticity then it will catch on energy through energy through energy you know it's truly that and i call it like the, the, like the energy effect of like it is going to translate to other people and it will employ, it will inspire others and your energy that first source of it needs to be so true and f- abundant to be able to have this yes. you know this vision i would not even a brand because it's so much more than a brand we're creating right it's really a it's 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 an education it's a movement it's a it's a family it's so much and that intention going in is is crucial to the success. And you've done a lot of different um, companies and also written books. I would love for you, you know, the floor is yours. If you can explain a little bit about like Miss London Makeup and the salons and the good mineral, <laughs> I'll leave it to you, okay. please, because there's so much. I don't know. I don't want to like miss something. <laughs> so go for it. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> Just to sort of consolidate everything, my my interest, my ultimate interest is, as I said, is in female sort of um, freedom because yeah. I think women are, uh, you know, not oppressed per se, but we're definitely the 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 underdogs on this planet in yeah. terms of sexes. So I always kind of, I feel like empowering women um, through beauty is one of my biggest passions. And so I wanted to open this nail bar. I opened the nail bar because I really wanted to get my nails done in central London. But as you as you start, as we started and the, the, the salons grew and there were six of them, you meet women, you know, you meet people face to face and you see the, the energy and the desires of them. You know, some are uh, embarrassed about their nails or they're embarrassed or they just need to talk and they will talk and tell you things. And, you know, and I realized that that the thing about a nail bar is that it's really social, you know, unlike hair or beauty, waxing, whatever, it's really sociable. So you can sit together and talk and have these great conversations with fellow um, um, customers, not just with your therapist. Yeah. So my nail bars were always completely open. They didn't have barriers in between them so that everybody got to meet each other. And um, so that's how, I, you know, that, that went on in the UK for six years. And then, uh, unfortunately, I had scaled too quickly. Mm. Um, I didn't um, appreciate various... Uh, accounting things and uh, structural infrastructure things around business. So uh, the first set of salons closed, which was very, very upsetting. And I was very upset for a very long time. And then I finally got out of it when my phone rang and it was the organizers of London Fashion Week saying, Ego, um, we need a nail bar for uh, Crabtree and Evelyn or Ego, we need a nail bar for Revlon or Ego, we need... And, and that's how it went on. So Superdrug and um, Superdrug and um, London Fashion Week organizers uh, basically started calling me at, because they needed nail bars to do promos. And this is how my next business started, I, which I called Miss Salon, because at this point I felt like the queen of salons, like I knew everything about the salon business. And um, we started running... Uh, 
promote promo nail bars for all these brands across the UK and at London Fashion Week. And that's how Miss Salon started. And that's then how I ended up writing books on salon business because my former employees would come and say, Ego, I want to open a nail bar. How did you do it? I want to open my own business. How did you do it? And so then I thought, okay, well, I'll just write a book about it. And so I did. I wrote two books uh, for people who want to open salons, open your own salon the right way. And then for people who already owned salons and needed to boost them, I wrote another one called Kickstart Your Salon Into Profit. And, you know, that consulting work basically um, did really well for many years, Miss Salon um, Consulting, until I moved to South Africa. Um, The plan was to be here for a couple of years and uh, write more books on, you know, marketing salons or or, uh, staffing salons. Uh, and then I fell in love with Johannesburg and realized I could not leave and um, and then ended up opening salons here. <laughs> so so um, I opened salons here. And once again, you know, all the years that of of, of, um, of, you know, knowledge of experience in the salon industry meant that the salons that I opened here were like a hit, this huge success, like straight off the bat, which was a wonderful um, feeling and experience. And I got to meet like everybody from Johannesburg. I had never been here before. I didn't know anybody. And just because these salons were so well uh, presented, you know, we would have CEOs, we would have everybody, uh, expats, everybody would come to the salon. And I met all these amazing women, loads of them. And um, and we had we were having literally the time of our lives just hanging out um, chatting over nails and and vodka shots sometimes, and um, I got to meet, I got to know women more and more, and and this was sort of like the explosion of Instagram. And I remember all these makeup videos showing these intense layering of makeup, like there would be this layer and then that layer, and then this would happen with the brows and then under the brows, and then. And I and I and I remember looking at these videos and thinking, nobody wears makeup like that. Who wears that? Because, you know, we're servicing fourteen thousand women a year in one salon, and so I see fourteen thousand women, and maybe twenty of them have got layers of makeup on, and and so I'm thinking to myself, who we- I don't know who wears makeup like that in real life maybe for a nice Instagram video or YouTube tutorial, or maybe for the red carpet. But in real life, I don't see this. And uh, my sister, Natasha, who lives in Washington, D.C., and who is, you know, 10 times smarter than I am, um, is a scientist, mechanic, a chartered mechanical engineer, also went to um, London University, UCL. She went to UCL. And... um, she had been formulating makeup for years uh, in her spare time because she's an inventor. It was just a passion for her. But she was also thinking, what is going on with the makeup world? Why do brown skinned girls have to wear such thick coverage? Because there were only a couple of brands at the time that had um, colors for our skin tone. And they were all quite sort of thick um, and heavy in coverage. I 
suffer, suffered and continue to suffer on occasions from severe acne, not just, you know, a couple of breakouts. And Natasha has sensitive skin and I have super sensitive skin. So um, she was thinking there has to be a way of making a makeup that isn't going to sound, that isn't going to be cakey and isn't going to irritate sensitive skin. So, um, so that's how she started these formulations, which is why they are the purest and most natural. Um, and the, the passion that we have behind launching, we decided to launch the makeup in the salons in South Africa. Um, because I wanted to say, you know, hey, you don't have to, whatever that's going on on, on social media, you don't have to do that in real life. Here's yeah. some really good, clean, simple makeup um, that isn't going to irritate your sensitive skin, or if you've got acne or eczema or psoriasis, you too can look good without layers and without irritation. So very, very passionate about that. You know, if you've got a skin condition as a woman and you have to go out on a date or you've got an interview or whatever, just to face your your life, you're... You, you're the one that needs the coverage the most for confidence because because your skin, especially on your face, is a real confidence um, situation. So I'm very passionate about uh, girls and uh, women being able to be as confident through beauty as possible without suffering the consequences of using makeup. So that's really our our most powerful selling point, uh, and it's the way that we've reached the hearts and minds of so many of our super fans. And, um, of course, Natasha's formulations in themselves are so unique um, and so powerful in their um, efficacy in that they give coverage Mm. and color without weight and without irritation, it's, 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 it's really actually quite phenomenal how well they work. Um, and so we launched it in the salons here in South Africa and we sold out. Wow. And then we, and then I'd call Natasha and say, Natasha, you've got Need to more. mix more powder. And she says, what do you mean? I said, it's gone. It's already sold. Oh my God. So she'll mix more. And then she got, you know, four blenders and then she'd mix with four blenders and we would, you know, she would ship over and we would, we would jar it on my dining room table and it would just continue to sell out. And just like that, we ended up in one of the largest retailers here in South Africa and we continue to sell out (laughs) and, and try to figure out our manufacturing and logistics. I mean, of course, Natasha couldn't keep on mixing. It was ridiculous. We needed to, you know, we needed to, we needed to build a proper, uh, infrastructure. infrastructure around how we manufacture. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's insane. And, and in a time frame, this was, when was the selling out, the initial stage? Was this at the beginning of the pandemic? When are we talking? No, no, no. So this was, this was 2016. This is 2016. So when, oh, wow. Yes. 20, 2016, Natasha started this mixing and we would come and I would get it and we would package it on my dining room table. And so through 2016, it was just getting sold out. And then at the end of 2016, in December, we were called by one of the um, retailers, uh, 
super retailers here in South Africa and saying, we hear that you're causing some kind of <laughs> some kind of waves in Hauteng. That was what they said. They said, we hear that you're causing waves well, uh, cool. in Hauteng. And so we want to we give you a little pop-up. Uh, it was a two-month pop-up in one of their stores. And two days, the first order had sold out. Mm. And then again, one week later, they, they, it sold out until they literally sent someone from uh, their head office to come and find out what's going on with this brand. Why are they selling out? <laughs> Amazing. So, um, so, yeah, so that was 2016. And then 2017, it was like the same story, but we kept on going into more stores, which was causing us even more chaos because yeah. literally Natasha... Uh, ha- it was very cautious about sharing the formulations with any manufacturers. Yes. We really needed to make sure that protected, yeah. you know, s- properly protected and so on. So, and you know, that sort of stuff takes time. Yeah. And the other thing that takes time, of course, is minimum order quantities, yeah. uh, manufacturers cash flow, allowing you think, yeah. cash flow. We were, we were, we were totally. Um, What's it called when you strap when bootstrap. you strap your boots? Bootstrap. We were paying yeah. bootstrapped. Yeah. We were bootstrapping. There you go, the business. Yeah. Um, so it was all it was all off of our own money, and you know. So then you find the manufacturers that are prepared to do uh, the big mixing for you, and then you've got to cough up a ton of money, and then you've got to you know. It's also the MOQs for for uh, the jars, the yeah. labels, everything, everything. Right, and you've got a lot of different shades, so it's not as simple as just a couple of skews. Yes. It's a lot to think yeah, about. Yeah, no, we've got 33 shades. And yeah. so, you, so, you know, you exactly. And we don't mix less than so many kilos per shade and all that type of stuff. So yeah. we went through all of that, 2017, 2018, 2019, finally settling down. And then, lo and behold... COVID happens. There you go. Another <laughs> spanner in the works. <laughs> what in God's name was going on? We couldn't understand it. So, you know, here we were in 2019, all set. We were going to get our biggest uh, batch of, of product delivered. We were about to expand into so many different stores. It was all happening. And then uh, COVID happened and we were just stunned because... Remember, we're talking about salons here, which were closed. Uh, we're talking about in-store uh, beauty counters, which had no more testers. You weren't allowed to have testers. We weren't allowed to have our consultant on the floor because it was a minimum you know, number of staff that were allowed on the floor. So literally the sales just dropped. Mm. And in South Africa, we, uh, the delivery system, um, the, the retailer closed all uh, receiving bays. So all receiving bays were closed for a good sort of eight weeks. It was two months, something like that. So so here we were with all this stock that we had paid for in advance, yeah. you know, in preparation for a massive year of sales. And suddenly everything dropped. Um, so, and we had just gone through our due diligence with VCs. We were about yeah. to get Please. really funded. And so COVID happened and then you were kind of just in a trance. We were in a yep. trance for about four Await, months. In a waiting game. Um, is it, is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Exactly. Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Do I need to move back to England? Yeah. And especially South Africa. I mean, we, we know, like, I mean, this is a bit later even, but then there was like another variant and it was just, it's just nonstop at that point, right? Yes, exactly. 
So uh, as um, the universe would have it and the energy of the product would have it. I love that. Energy of the product. What a, yes. what a statement. I love the that. The product. The the product wanted to find its way onto people's faces. Yes. And uh, so just like that, the, the venture capitalist said, you know what, guys, let's do this as an online D2C business. Let's see if we can launch it out in the US in a whole new market online. We will fund that. Yep. And so that's what happened. That was at the end of 2020. We yep. signed that deal. And then we spent unbelievable amounts of time yeah. trying to get more stock because everything had come to a standstill. Oh, gosh. The end of 2020 into 2021, getting your manufacturers to make anything. I mean, everything was running out from cardboard boxes to It was pack. the giants that were stockpiling and obviously having a bigger PO and like a bigger power. And it was like the smaller Absolutely. brands and the newer brands were just like left at the helm of like, the lab would be like, like, no, we can. And it's like, well, no. anywhere in the world. Like, it, and I understand because stock and inventory can make or break a business. And that's like the most stressful thing when you're like, the product's good, the marketing's good, the sales are there, but I just don't have the product. Yeah, so I feel you. Exactly, exactly. And you can't be out of stock for too long because... No. Customers Especially in don't retail like that. or in, in retail for sure, but online as well, you lose interest, you know? Yes, absolutely. So it's hard. So, yeah. So, I mean, we went through um, 10 months, basically, of ju just trying to um, rebrand for the U.S. market uh, into the good mineral and um, package and build the website and kind of prep everything and wait for this stock to arrive. So... And, and the other thing about that stock arriving is that you could never be sure exactly when it would get to your logistics partner. You know, yeah. they would say they're going to ship it today. And then two days before shipping date, they'll tell you it's been moved by 10 days. Yeah. And, and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's no the chargeback, there's no cost. And, and sometimes they'll be like, we're producing today, but we can only do 2,000 units or 100 units. Yes. What? Uh, it's like, we can send that out at your cost. It's like, no, it's like, I yes. completely understand. And, and that's, I think the issue is, is what people don't necessarily realize is when it comes to contract manufacturers and labs is, yeah, they have their own business and absolutely rightly so. So I'm not necessarily attacking them, but it's just there isn't those safety guards and processes in place to protect brands. Like, you know, you have a rough date of delivery, but you can't put an agreement in place that says, well, if you don't deliver it by the 7th of Jan and you deliver on 9th, you have to pay a 10% fee to the lab. They wouldn't accept that. Why would they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. So, yeah. So, I mean, finally, we got our product into the 3PL that we have in um, uh, the US. And uh, they finally received it. You know, we counted damaged stock. You know, you've got to kind of, you know, figure out what you've actually got and what you haven't got. Um, set up the website and, you know, lo and behold, now let's go, let's go. And, you know, the thing about it, Akash, is that I am, you know, a bricks and mortar yeah. salon entrepreneur. So I'm very used to getting a fee feedback from customers immediately. So you try it on, they tell you that they that it's working, what they you know, and so on. Now we're kind of having to communicate with people through, you know, Instagram, Facebook, your your website, 
it's a very different place space for me. And, um, you know, we're just trying to translate the awesomeness of the product Online. onto the screen and hope that people get it, you know, or yeah. trust us enough to try it. So that's where we are. We've had a successful launch. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we're now, we're now what, eight months in and um, I'm finally going to get on a plane and fly to the US and actually meet some people. It makes all the difference. It does. Does it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it took me two years into the business to finally visit. We are, we are obviously in-store in Sephora, so uh, I hadn't seen our yes. products in-store. But also just to go there, see the market appetite, see the, even visiting like your, your top influencers, but meeting them in person or to meeting your retail partners yes. or your logistics partners, you know, going to our 3PL. It makes such a difference because you start to see things that you never see in an email or a Zoom naturally. But also it makes you also inspired by what more you could do because you you see it there so i think definitely um it's healthy to take a step apart when building it but then now when it's that time to go 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 yes making those regular visits it's crucial yes yes so yeah i I feel it i feel it in my bones and we'll be there we're going to go to we're going to go and do the makeup show and meet some press and meet the 3pl you're absolutely right um you know and just try and see uh customers in real life so very, very excited about that and excited about our trajectory for the rest of this year. I think we'll yep. do well. But um, but I feel that until I get to the States and until I get a feeling, I'm, yep. that, that confidence that I was talking about earlier about sending um, messages or making phone calls to, um, you know, buyers, mm-hmm. I, I just need to get there. And then I 100%. will. And then I think that part of me is going to come flying out. Oh, 100%. And maybe even ma- making some meetings while you're there um, with those potential buyers and, and, and merchants, I think will be really, really good because you yourself are the greatest advocate for the brand as a founder. Um, and is I will say, is I, I'm kind of on the opposite end where I guess my bread and butter is purely digital e-commerce, conversions online, social commerce, not so much the in-store education, the visits, the, you know, the, that kind of stuff is where I haven't had any experience. We're now hitting a happy medium where both our worlds are colliding. And it's like, it's the pandemic is sort of like, I wouldn't say fully behind us, but it is becoming behind us. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a great thing for now for my brand. I'm like, actually, I need to, like sometimes my brick and mortar sales are more than my online. Um, and it's never been that for two years. It's always online was bigger. So oh, right. I'm now starting to understand the importance of, actually having physical space or pop-ups we did a pop-up recently in LA and it was the best experience to like see have people realize it see the brand in real life but also realize how little they know due to online um the three second exposure they have so while we had a lot of consumers coming in to our pop-up saying oh I know Fable and Maine um you're a hair oil and I, I I bought on your site or I've done this I'm like great and it's like but you guys just have a hair oil right and I'm like no we have like Loads more products right. since we've launched, didn't you know? And they're like, I've never realized that. So there's so much education that can be done in person. And, you know, maybe they've used it wrong or maybe they haven't used it to the most capacity. Or, uh, that's, I think, what's so important. So when I think you get there, you'll make such a difference. Yes, yes. I mean, hearing, what, hearing you say what you're saying is so familiar mm. to me because I really do know what it's like to actually shift and sell so much product in real life and to real people. Yeah. 
Um, of course, it can't be anything uh, as near as you could do online once you've kind of established yourself, I'm sure, because physically it's so difficult to, 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 to do it. But, but, um, but our physical sales have always been higher than our online sales. So for me, you know, I, I, I value the physical so much more, but I realize that I've got to come out yes. of that and, and, you know, give it to the experts to, to grow our online uh, space as well. But without a doubt, I, that, that experience that people have with your product once they've tried it with yes. you or heard it from you directly is very, very different. It's, it's, very. it's, it's crucial. And I think it's also, as a founder, it's the most rewarding because a message is great, but seeing their reaction mm. through their eyes in person, uh, their first experiencing trying it on or swatching it, like I'm sure it's just the most fulfilling and rewarding really? um, and it makes you more motivated and it fuels you to do this is what this is why we're doing that so um yeah. but you know in terms of like i guess apart from usa you know expansion online penetration what else is the future for the good mineral well um the future for the good mineral is so so really what i want to do is i want to focus a lot of our energy on the fact that we are assisting people who have complicated skin yes let's say complicated as in you know you've got acne or you've got psoriasis you've got eczema you've got skin that doesn't tolerate the conventional makeup brands yeah. and also yeah. conventional makeup applications mm-hmm. um, sometimes I see clean beauty brands and then they demonstrate ap- applying the makeup in this sort of quite aggressive you know rubbing action on the face and I think I could not touch my face in that way um, when, you know, I have um, severe acne and so on. So our products are about caring for the people that have the most complicated skin um, but need the coverage and deserve to have coverage and deserve the quality. So Mm. we will probably continue to grow into skincare. Um, but ultimately our, our philosophy is less is more. The yeah. less you put on your face, the less agitation, the less product, the better off you are. So it's not as if we're, we're trying to create a ton of skews and, and have you, you know, putting layers and layers of things on your face all in the name of the good mineral. On the contrary, I think that my experience with real life women tells me that we, are, we just want to feel comfortable in our own skin and we want to do things that give us joy, you know, mm. bring us joy. So that's what, that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, beautiful answer. Thank you for that. Uh, but, you know, before we go into like the fire round, I do want to ask, you know, about you personally, Ego, that the pandemic has definitely shaped our certain routines and I would say rituals for success. Um, what are some of yours and that you adopt, maybe a morning ritual or evening ritual that you can share that keeps you grounded and motivated as a founder? Mm. So podcasts, I have to say, are, came to me very recently, as in, you know, within the last sort of 18 months. Um, you know, because, of course, everything happened in, with webinars, everything became digital. So podcasts came and I have to tell you that they have been transformational for me, listening to other entrepreneurs and founders telling their stories um, has been such a powerful motivator for me. And it really helps me not have panic attacks. 
about my business, you know, when I have like, oh my God, this isn't working. And then I listen to someone else and they say, oh, they, they, it wasn't working for them either. Um, Oh, so it's not just me. It's not just me. You know, um, I heard uh, one, um, I won't mention names or anything, but I just remember hearing one, uh, you know, multi close to billion dollar uh, founder talk about how they were running out of cash. And I thought, oh, wow, even they were running out exactly. of cash. <laughs> so it's not just me. So um, uh, so podcasts have been a massive uh, new um, injection in my life. Um, also audio books. Um, so listening to audio books whilst mm-hmm. on the treadmill. Multitasking, I like it. Where I walk up a hill every day for 30 minutes while I listen to somebody amazing to talk about their life or their journey or their situation. And it really settles me in for the morning. And, you know, I come off of that treadmill, you know, feeling like a genius because I've burnt 400 calories without running. And, um, and I've listened to an amazing story and I think it's okay. Everything's going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And I think it's so true. It's it's finding those sources of inspiration and motivation, but also balancing that with you're not alone. We're all in this together. And it's sort of like very comforting to know that there is healthy comparison and motivation, but there's also that negative, like we will always compare and feel that we can do more, but sometimes celebrate your successes, know you're not alone and find those rituals that keep you on that right path because it's very easy to deviate and we will deviate. There'll be days where we are down on ourselves or we, 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 we overthink things, but just try to stay on that path through those daily rituals that keep you there and keep you grounded. Absolutely, Very, very important. Absolutely. So in terms of like desert Island question, which, you know, uh, I ask all my guests, uh, I'm going to invite you to a founded beauty Island, but I, I'm having a strict protocol that I go, you can only bring one, the good mineral product. What would be your go-to? What? So that's easy. It would be my caramel one, loves you back, three in one powder foundation. It gives me glowing coverage without any weight. And I feel like a superstar as soon as I put it on. And I love the fact that (laughs) on your website, you have like this take a selfie stick, take a photo, and then it can can get colored matched. Is that correct? Absolutely. Exactly. Because because we've color matched so many people in real life, uh, we can do it on from a selfie. So you send us your selfie and we will color match you. And if we get it wrong, we will send you the right shade until we get it right. Well, I've never heard that one before. That's amazing. So yeah, because ultimately all we want is for you to enjoy it. It's the joy. It's a joy. So if it does, if it's not working for you, you know, my whole thing is why, what's wrong? Tell me, Mm. we're sending you whatever we need to send you. We're sending it to you until we, until we nail it. Amazing. Love, love, love that. So (laughs) Fire on questions. There's the first thing that comes to your mind. So we're going to kick it straight off with what is another beauty brand that you're currently loving? I'm currently can't live without my IS clinical cleansing complex. It's the face wash of face washes. It really works for me and my oily acne prone skin. I'm writing it down right now. So, okay, that's a really good one. I haven't heard of it, so I'm going to try it. That's I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, next question is, what is a guilty pleasure of yours? Oh, do I have to tell you? You have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I eat chocolate almost every evening. That is 
absolutely acceptable. And that's most people's answers, by the way. But I, have to, I always ask, are you a dark chocolate, milk chocolate, white chocolate? What kind of vibe? Dark chocolate. I yeah. eat 78%. Ooh. cacao chocolate and uh yeah and it's like an every night yeah. thing oh, it's, it's so important it's it's another important yeah. ritual for success dark chocolate um, <laughs> what are you currently watching or reading oh i'm watching we uh crashed we crashed is that the we work thing we crashed it's the story of we work it's yeah. the story of the we is it work. good i need to watch it oh my goodness i am absolutely obsessed with it so i've only seen episode one so okay. far but I know I'm going to nail it. Like it's got Jared Leto, Jared, Jared Leto, Jared Leto. Yeah, that guy, right? And Anne Hathaway. It's got Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is in it. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to definitely watch it now. I, I was looking for a new show and someone already mentioned that show to me. So I was like, I'm going to watch it. So that's a good, good shout. Yeah, we crashed. You've nice. got to see it. Uh, do you have like a favorite social media platform right now? Yeah, it's Instagram still. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't quite you know TikTok. nailed tiktok yet but yeah. uh, instagram's the one I'm, for me the same. I, I have nailed tiktok but i think i still prefer instagram because it's just a lot more of like my, my friends and family on there so that's why um what is your favorite mantra or kind of motivational quote you are the universe manifesting as a human on this planet mm. that was from deepak chopra he said it in in a uh, in a in a meditation program that I listen to often, and it's that line that you are the universe manifesting in a human body, you know, in a human nervous system. And I think, of course, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's like uh, I kind of say he's like my godfather family. He's like a very close family friend. So I'll I'll send this clip to him, and he'll be very happy you said that. So I'll oh, make wow. sure uh, he's incredible. Please, I'll be what so an person. <laughs> and my last question is: If you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would you be doing? Oh my goodness, what would I be doing? I would probably be. Um, I'd probably be a journalist. I'd probably be writing, mm. telling stories. Because yep. I'm so interested in people. I'm just so interested in people and what they're doing and what's making them, what's making their lives good or not good. Or, you know, I'd probably oh, be amazing. a journalist. Well, honestly, Ego, it's been <laughs> such, a, I want to say Ego, my doppelganger, because we're pretty much super similar in so many ways. It's incredible. Um, it's been a, such a pleasure speaking to you. And um, I cannot wait to hopefully see you very soon when you come to London this month. And um, we'll just, this is just a gateway into our friendship, this podcast. That's why I love it. So we're just going to continue talking just without the record button. And I hope yeah. everyone can really um, follow your journey and uh, try the Good Mineral and try your beautiful products because I know it will really be a game changer for them. So where can everyone follow yourself and also the Good Mineral on social? Right, so I'm on Instagram as Ego Iwegbu, just my name. Yep. Um, and uh, the Good Mineral is the Good Mineral on Instagram. And our website is thegoodmineral.com. Super easy. And if you have any sort of business questions or want to ask me anything about uh, entrepreneurship, I'm very open to those sorts of questions. Uh, so just DM me on uh, Instagram and I'm here to help. That is amazing. I'll put all the links in the summary as always so you guys can just click straight on through and be sure to follow because the journey is going to be incredible. I just can sense it. So Ego, thank you so much and we'll be we'll be seeing each other very soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Akash. It's been really awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. 
hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAS10. That's S-O-L. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.